Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined again this week by Kieran Collins and Rory Welch. We have a Midwest El Clasico to talk. How are things, lads? Good, Mark. Very good. Very good, very good. Yeah, I suppose what we'll feature is the underage um, Munster and Leinster. Uh, championships are reaching a pretty exciting conclusion provincial-wise. Uh, we'll have a look at that. Uh, we'll also look at the Limerick Senior Hurling win over Tipperary at TUS Gaelic Grounds last weekend. Seven point, but probably doesn't reflect what went on during the game. And have a bit of a review of round four uh, with the Munster and Leinster Senior Hurling Championships. I suppose, guys, can we start with the underage uh, tournaments here? What caught your eye, I suppose, Rory, maybe start with yourself? in terms of maybe the Munster Miners uh, final from last night uh, between Tip and Clare? Yeah, absolute cracking game. And again, uh, I was at the game myself, but again, kudos to TG Cahar again for unbelievable service showing that game. And uh, I, I reckon they're getting good viewer viewing because they wouldn't be doing this every week. But the amount of uh, conversation afterwards with the way it finished on social media, like uh, so it just shows the genuine interest amongst people, even in under 17, under 20 games. Uh, well, at the game... As we all know, it was what I really liked about the game was just kind of both teams battling qualities above anything else. We all know at this age they've been through kind of academy uh, and development squads since they're most of them since they were 14, 15, 16. So it's their fourth year of and you can see that by some of the scores that was the touch striking and even the I suppose tactics in terms of the third man runs and you know. Um, all, all that stuff was in play. But what I really admired was both teams battling qualities. Uh, like you're looking at. Clare kind of playing into the breeze second half to go three, four points up. Tipperary then to get a man sent off. Battle their way back to leading going into the fourth minute of injury time. And then a magnificent equalising points to take it to extra time in the first place from the Clare point of view. And then the opposite, a real clutch free for Tipperary to bring into penalties. And we'll probably get on to penalties in a minute and, you know, how... It probably just didn't seem a fitting way to end such a great contest, especially as there isn't quite a time pressure to play. You know, it wasn't like there's an Alaron semi-final coming up this weekend and the match hadn't to be played. Like the, the Leinster final is on next Monday night. So there was a, a time frame to get have a replay put in there. And maybe both counties could have pointed that out beforehand. I don't know, did they? But had it been pointed out to the Munster Council, would there have been leeway? Or is this a, a strict rule that all competitions have to abide by? I'm not so sure. I think with under 17s there should be a bit of leeway but again overall like it was just a seesaw battle like it was momentum was swinging one way and then the next i thought claire when claire had the extra man now it's easy in hindsight they're probably thinking we're up three or four points we'll hold what we have in a way because uh i don't know if, if it was kind of evident from from the tv but claire basically set up then with their ex both teams had an extra defender um and claire set up then with the spare man as well so they had two extra defenders for that last 15 minutes like and i'd have thought if they'd pushed up on tips sweeper Claire's claire would have had a plus one at the back anyway if you get what i'm saying so we ended up claire had plus two tip at plus one at the other end and tips plus one like uh, number six for tipperary he swept up the amount of ball center back but claire kept finding him as well but so in a way it kind of backfired i just thought like maybe be a bit more adventurous push up and you'll still have your extra man as well so but look, as I said, that's easy in hindsight. When you're up three or four points and there's 10, 15 minutes to go and you have an extra bad, you're probably thinking, hey, we don't need to do anything silly here. Let's hold what we have. But it, it did in a way backfire. But as I mentioned, absolute kind of her heroism from the end, heroics from both teams. 
And uh, yeah, what an advert for underage hurling. And people were saying, you know, uh, has it diluted it, bringing it from under 18s down to under 17s? But I think last night kind of showed that, you know, like under 17 hurling is still an extremely high standard and, you know, a great product. Absolutely, um, Rory. Karen, chime in there. Uh, any thoughts for yourself on Munster final decider? Yeah, pretty much echo what Rory had there. Like, you, you'd be thinking when, you know, Claire three points up and uh, Samuel Farrell gets sent off for tip, you'd be thinking, all right, this is advantage Claire, but like for Tipperary to battle back and actually to go two points up going into injury time, you know, I think kudos to them. Yeah, I suppose it was Tid for Tata and extra time, you know, real excitement. Could have gone either way. I think Tip probably had a few chances more at the end of the extra time to win it. You know, they had probably three or four wides, which probably should have gone over. Very impressed with uh, Jack O'Neill and James Argon for Clare. You know, I thought they were very good nights. And, you know, Paddy McCormack, there was some pressure free at the end to, to level all up. You know, I, like we forget these young lads are only 16, 17 years of age. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Owen Horgan as well was actually a son of Fergal Horgan referee. Yeah. Um, you know, look, he made two penalty saves. Okay, they weren't probably the best quality penalties, but, you know, to get down for two saves in a pressure situation, you know, it was fair play to him. I think I read a stat last night where I think he is... Uh, there's four clean sheets for Tipperary now, I think, you know, so it's a good stat for his name. I did think the the line run was a bit harsh, pulling back. Um, Mark Shady, yeah. Yeah, for the free, you know, like there's enough going on without having to be that kind of strict on the rules. You know, I think they, they could have left it off maybe, you know, but yeah, I know it was a cracking game. And I think, I think I have to echo as well about TG4, you know, even the, the their coverage, but I think the camera work is unbelievable. I think, you know, you're seeing a lot more different angles than you do with, RT or Sky for the seniors games even so you know they're they're going about the right way and uh, they're only for them like Harlem wouldn't be broadcast to all our homes on a Tuesday Wednesday night it's a fabulous yeah fabulous TV production though isn't it guys I mean they are the pioneers of I think GA live sports you know the different angles different perspectives on things but um, in terms of Owen Horgan like father like son like Fergal performers a superb underage keeper for Tipperary for many a year as well. And uh, he did slot home a penalty as well. Uh, as well, So, I mean, he took the responsibility massively as well. But can we go to penalty shootouts, guys? Mm. It just has a bit of a weird feel to it after, yeah. 20, you know, about 48 hours before when we saw Munster and Toulouse going on a place-kicking competition. We see a penalty shootout with um, under-17s, I suppose, guys. It, it just felt, I think, Rory, you've alluded to a little bit, weird a little bit unnatural to end the game the ga hq uh, rule authorities be looking at uh, maybe changing this a little bit in terms of penalty shootouts yeah, i think so and uh, just to talk about goalkeepers as well i thought mark sheedy for claire was excellent and he's underage again next year and uh, just the only the only possible mistake he made was at the end where he tried to be very you know precise with the with the last puck out that got intercepted but I suppose like that's what he's been doing. That's the way he's, you know, that's the way he plays. That's he, I thought his buckets were like lasers for for the game, and it's easy because it was the last one that he got caught. But I thought before that he's just precision puckouts, and two or three times under pressure he came out with the ball, kept cool. There was one time where he fumbled it, and I thought, oh no! But he just had the calmness to come out, sidestep a player, and slot it off again. Like you know, these modern goalkeepers, if you think back to, you know, when we were younger, and if we had goalkeepers kind of sidestepping players and everything, you'd be saying he should be centre forward or midfield for the team. But um, yeah, look, uh, yeah, getting back to the penalties, um, yeah, just and even I, I just said to the lads with me at the game, kind of before I said, look, this doesn't feel right for either team. Um, 
especially like Munster final and I know from kind of giving a hand with, with Limerick underage this year like the work that goes into these teams and the players the effort they put in and to have something kind of decided like that and I agree with the linesman what Kieran said there the linesman pulling back uh, for the first one because if you wanted to be pernickety about it like I think most players crossed the line as well striking the ball um, just saw a few pictures somebody put up on Twitter today where they went through all the penalties and nearly all of them somebody had broken a slight rule and that's you know like, are you going to be that precise on things? So it just it affected, like, because Tip uh, had saved Claire's first penalty, and that would have been Claire saving Tip's one, and it, it probably affected things slightly. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it is it, the fact that there was no need, as we mentioned with the date, to, to have it like that. And I just think in future, it is something GA should look at. Uh, when we say under 17, some of these guys, 16, we have 15-year-olds as well, and just for them to even go into school today and with the pressure of saying, oh, you know, that you had a chance or look. But then again, I suppose we were highlighting penalties and there was lots of players during the game that made mistakes as well. And, you know, it's just the whole penalty thing gets um, magnified like. And yeah, it, look, I think, I don't think anybody, uh, I know Tipperary are happy to have won in a penalty shootout, but I don't think anybody is kind of going away saying, I'd like that to be the case for next year. So when, when something seems so wrong to everyone, I think GA do need to act on it. Kieran, uh Penalty shootout, yes or no for you? No, I like, <clears throat> you know, especially when there's no real time pressure on the game to be played, you know, like these guys are, as I take a play again tonight, and it wouldn't take a puff of them. And, you know, I can understand if, if it's a, a time restraint, you know, maybe play another five minutes either way than try to find a winner in, in, in normal play. I just don't think there's a place for it in GA. Sorry, Mark, just going back to some of the performances as well. We had um, Delaney coming in who had, what did he score in the, against Waterford? 113, was it? It was yeah, one, 113, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And then Owen Gunning from Broadford did an outstanding man-marking job. And it's look, it's something that, that we kind of mentioned in previous weeks that at this level, like one thing you don't really get is consistency with players. And Delaney could be the star the next day. That's the way it goes at this age group. Um, uh, so you just see the talent and it's there one week maybe you know you, you, don't, you don't know what their week is like in school or the day in school or whatever way they slept it's just kind of you know they haven't got into that consistent routine yet um, Jack O'Neill as well to echo what Kieran said really good five points from play I think and um, yeah just uh, and Tipperary as well um, the centre back from Clamel uh, his name eludes me at the minute um, yeah I thought he like he, he was playing the kind of sweeping role for Tipperary and did like a Tai Sheehan actually, and he did a super role there. Just, I know you might say it's grand being the free man, but he did it so well. He cut out all the supply to the Clareful forward line, and we saw against Cork that um, the Clareful forward line were kind of you know they, they were a handful for the Corkful backline anyway. But just cutting off that supply really you know a crucial stage, especially when Tipper down to 14 men. But that was kind of pivotal for Tipperary, and helped them get back into the game. Plus their substitutions as well uh, had a massive impact up front. But uh, yeah, look, cracking game. And uh, yeah, and then uh, of course, Leinster, we have uh, the shock of Leash beating Kilkenny for the first time since the 70s, I think. So yeah. It was a massive, massive result, wasn't it, on Saturday in the War Park? And they were full value for it, weren't they? But in fairness to Deegan, he was putting the points over, jerk winning with the goal. Again, Kilkenny at no stage that I feel were going to win that match. It seemed like Leash were very dominant, particularly middle thirds. The work rate was absolutely superb. Rory and Kieran, uh, what were your thoughts on that leash performance? Um, yeah, well, uh, the one time at the very end when Kilkenny had a 21, I was thinking, oh, here we go again. Yeah. That was, uh, but I agree with you. Every time uh, Kilkenny came back with them, leash responded again. 
So like good belief. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, we were talking about Offaly there a few times in the podcast and yeah, they saw off Dublin quite comfortably in the end after a poor start. But like when Leash met Offaly in the round robin, there was only three points between them. So that was kind of a sign that Leash were, you know, not to be taken lightly this year. And so they followed up the Wexford performance, like which beating Wexford, beating Kilkenny at minor hurling is, you know, anyone can have a one-off performance, but to put two like that back to back, they're well worthy of their place in the Leinster final. And, you know, a couple of years ago, people were looking at our Offaly now, you know, off the top table, will Leash ever get there? And now this is great to see Offaly and Leash, um, you know, battling it out for Leinster honours. And the losing team is still in around Robin McAlway and Clare now. So plenty of hurling for both those teams. Exactly. And that road and Robin, I believe, starts on May 21st when Clare play Galway. So yeah, nice spicy local derby to kind of get the juices flowing again there, Rory. Uh, but it's such a novel. I would say novel, but that's been disrespectful of uh, and Leash, really, because their performances this year have been absolutely outstanding. And I mean, hopefully, I think Tina G will be televising that game. I'd be very keen to watch that because just mm-hmm. likes of Adam Screen, he has been lighting it up mm-hmm. for Offaly this season again. You know, it's, you know, Offaly have always had the hurlers, they've always had the skillful hurlers, and I think it's just the underage programs here, and Rory, you've been alluding to it here in recent podcasts about Offaly, and that you felt that this was a really good Offaly minor setup, and we'll, we'll see it against a leash team who will be full of confidence beating Kilkenny, you know, any team that beats Kilkenny underage uh, has to be absolutely respected, but yeah, that'll be a, a super final on Monday night. I suppose, Karen, we could probably get to you as well as in terms of the Leinster under-20 final that was played in Carlow, Dr. Cullen Park. Kilkenny with a strong start. Wexford gradually building into the game. Set up a massive, dramatic finale, really. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match? Yeah, low-scoring game. It looked like Kilkenny were just kind of sharper and hungrier from the start, you know, and got into a fairly substantial lead. And I think bit by bit, kind of, Wexford bought back into it. It was 7-4 at half time, And then, you know, I think maybe Wexford got first point and then Kenny Blitz 1-2 without reply start the second half. So kind of both halves start really strong. You know, I suppose Wexford could have folded, but, uh, you know, three keen point or keen burn points in a row kind of had him back in the game, you know, and it was kind of tip for Pat for then for all of them. I think Byrne had a, a great chance for goal. I, I, no doubt it was a shot of goal and it just kind of went over the crossbar. You know, I, suppose, I think Wexford were kind of, they rallied late. You've seen the senior team do it a few times this year, but I think, you know, they just kind of ran out of time. They had a, they had a free, I think, to, to, to choose to, to put it over and leave one in it. And, you know, the, the last shot, I mean, it's just agonizingly wide. They could have got either way. I think if Wexford probably had another two or three minutes, the momentum was with them. They probably could have gone on and win it, not to be. And, uh, no, it was a, a good game, a low-scoring game, but a good game. I think, you know, when you see a team only scoring six points from play, you know, you, you probably... It, it might look like it wasn't a great game, but I think, you know, especially near the end, there was a excitement there, you know, a couple of closing to the end. Yeah. Rory, chime in there. Yeah, I just thought, I thought at the start, maybe Wexford read a bit too much into the Kenny Galway performance and kind of stood off them and set very deep early on. And it was as if, like, when they were down seven points to one, they decided to maybe, like, push on the field a bit and tear into them as such. And, like, uh, yeah, from, from that, like, if considering Kilkenny were up six points and... From, the, from then on, like Wexford were every bit as good as them. Dennis Walsh midfield for Kilkenny gives superb performance. Three three great points and set up more, just power through the centre a lot and was really 
you know, a thorn in the Wexford side. But yeah, uh, again, Billy Drennan got seven points, but like from play was, I thought was was well handled by the Wexford backs. And um, it was a funny game. Uh, both sets of backs seemed on top, like majorly on top at certain certain points in the game. And that hence why probably it was such a low scoring game. Uh, also as well, they, the very start, the rain seemed to like have affected the surface. Tricky, every, yeah. every second player seemed to be slipping. But yeah, I, I just felt watching it that Wexford set really deep at the start as if maybe saying, oh, we won't concede any goals in the first few minutes and because it's Kilkenny or whatever, rather than kind of maybe having the other attitude of let's kind of tear into it and get ahead of them. And so, yeah, the fact they were kind of chasing the game most of the game and just kind of ran out of time in the end, I suppose, of that last shot. Yeah, it just makes you think like if they could go back in time and do it all again, would they have a different attitude from the start of the game? I suppose Keane Byrne was a star performer there for Wexford 10 points. I mean... Out of 15 points, you know, it's there was only four scores from Wexford during those 60 minutes, which is probably telling its own story a little bit. Ling, the manager for Kilkenny, was quick to kind of point out a bit of preparation, a bit of training is required. Have that Limerick All Ireland hurling final, under 20s final, Turles, which is fixed for the weekend of May 22nd. That, that looks an absolute fascinating contest, guys. Limerick's passage to the final, and Kilkenny definitely they have the grit, determination, and defensively look very strong right down the middle of the park, Rory. Being at, I, I know sometimes it's hard to judge when you're watching two different games, as we kind of saw from both Leinster semi-finals. It looked like the Galway-Kilkenny semi-final was, you know, a different level to Wexford and uh, Dublin, wasn't it? And uh, it looked that way. And then when both teams come together, like there was nothing between them. So I have a sense that like Limerick and Tipperary did look to be at a higher pace and higher skill level than the Kilkenny-Wexford match. But are you kind of reading into it maybe wrongly that way as well? But yeah, look, I just think the the when you see Limerick with 12 different scores in that Munster final, and you have Wexford, as you said, with only half their forward line scoring, four scores overall, and like being only a pint off Kilkenny, you're kind of thinking maybe Kilkenny haven't faced, I know Galway were a serious side. I just felt Kilkenny maybe were, luck was on their side in a way that day. They battled to the end and, you know, turned things over in the last few minutes to get it to extra time. But I, I just think uh, Limerick having more games also under their belt, that was... Yeah, I just, I just think that, uh, yeah, I, I find the hard to see beating them, to be honest. Yeah, Kieran. I, I, th- <clears throat> I think Limerick, the, the advantage you might have, they have a two or three kind of star players, I think, for that 20s team, you know, you know Adam English and Aidan O'Connor, you know, real standout players that when the pressure came on against Tipperary, I think they stood up. I think Adam English was superb the last five or seven minutes uh, against Tipperary, you know, and really pulled it out of the bag. And I think if it goes down, like, look, this is Kilkenny, you know, at any age group, they don't give up, they don't concede, they will be still hard to beat. But I think, yeah, looking at the the last three matches of, of either championship, you know, the, the Wexford-Dublin game was, it was poor, it wasn't a, a great level. And, you know, actually last weekend I had thought that Kilkenny would have won handy looking at the two semifinals. But again, I think it's the only comparison we can make compared to the two finals. and. I agree with Rory. I think there was uh, the Limerick Tipperary game was, I think, was streets ahead of what the Kilkenny Wexford game was. But you know, as I said, these are all young lads. You don't know what can happen on the day. But I think, you know, based on the form of the last few games, I think, yeah, you'd have to fancy Limerick. And funny enough, Kieran, um, this game is down as the curtain raiser for Cork and Tip Cork senior match. And I'd say if uh, if Waterford beat Cork at the weekend, then that's a dead rubber. There'd be a clamour to switch the games around and have that as a curtain raiser for the under-20 final. And in a way, maybe an All-Ireland under-20 final should be the, the main fixture on the day when you think about it. But yeah, it'll be an interesting one because uh, they'll probably draw a bigger crowd 
coming into that than there will at the you know probably all depends on the result. Yeah, like if Cork beat Waterford uh, this weekend, yeah. it blows the whole uh, round robin wide open. You know, so maybe they're afraid of Tip yeah. not travelling again. That's harsh, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I suppose with the the Carlow Doctor Cullen Park, there was heavy rain down there. Do have relations down there? It was pretty heavy down on that Monday night of the Leinster hurling final. I think Kilkenny will bring physicality here that Limerick may not have kind of dealt with before in the under twenties. I think for me, it's going to be a fifty-fifty game, and plus if you throw in a good crowd in in Turles, it, it will be I think a fascinating watch. You know, if it's Patrick there as well, so Ralph back. You know, there's. There is huge characters there in that Kilkenny team that are waiting to deliver here. So I think uh, that could be one of the games of the year, intercounty-wise. I suppose we can move on, guys, to the Senior Hurland Championship. Munster, round three last weekend to US Gaelic rounds. Uh, we didn't really give Tipperary a prayer on this podcast last week, but I suppose credit to Tipperary, the pride in the jerseys restored. And for 50-50, five minutes, they were very competitive, but Limerick found a way to win by seven points. What were your initial impressions, Karen, of the game, first and second? Uh, any concerns for Limerick going into that Clare match? I think, I suppose, looking back, it was possibly a mix of Limerick underperformed and Tipperary performed to a higher level that people had thought they might. But building all illusion, Tip came with a plan, and that started from number one, from the goalie. You know, so Brian Hogan was dropped for Barry. And after a few puckouts, you could see why, you know, I think their puckouts were unbelievable. They obviously was an area they targeted. They had massive success, especially in the first half. I think Limerick really struggled on the Tipperary puckouts. And possibly there's a middle of the second half before they actually got a, a hold on them. So, you know, they typically knew what they were targeting. Noel McGrath, you know, for a guy who's not a, a known free taker, geez, he was exceptional in the freeze, you know. Um, 13 points in total, the sideline, 265s. Gerard Brown, you know, that's two games in a row now. So he got his chance when John McGrath got injured. And, you know, he's been exceptional in the last two days. You know, three points again from played last day along with Morris. Uh, look, it wasn't the Limerick we're, we're used to seeing, whether it was a bit of lacklustre that had crept into the performance and just because of the mindset coming into it. And, you know, these guys, social media, you can't avoid it. And, the talk was how many points Limerick would be tipped by, you know, and that has to creep into the minds of players. But players who who you're, you associate that don't have bad games, like Willa Dunahoo, like you can't imagine, I can't remember the last time Willa Dunahoo was as bad in a, you know, in a championship game. I think he really struggled. Dan Morris, you thought, struggled. You know, he only had a few possessions and, you know, a few times the ball came in, he kind of maybe dropped it or, you know, it just wasn't his, his usual self. Gilmer Burns, who, you know, this year so far has been exceptional. He was sloppy, you know, there was one missed pass there. I remember, I think he, he went straight to Morris and he slotted over the bar for a score. You know, like Tip had goal chances. I think it was just the experience maybe that they didn't have to convert them. I know Nicky Quaid made one save there, but it, it wasn't a great it wasn't a great shot on him. You know, he, he did what he had to do. Yeah, look, there's definitely things to work on from Limerick point of view, but I'd rather something like this happen now and not to be going into a potential monster final thinking everything's rose in the garden. You know, I think Kyle would have a he would have this as a, a stick to beat him with basically. And uh yeah, all down to the weekend. Hard to know what way they're going to approach it. I think once the team is named we'll have a fair idea. But 
you know, based on the performance of a few players, which I'd mentioned, I think, you know, these guys will play and will have a point to prove. Yeah, Rory, get you in here. Um, I suppose from a Clare perspective, are you kind of rubbing your hands in glee a little bit in that middle third, uh, given the space that Joe Brown was afforded, particularly in that first half? Yeah, um, his movement caused him at Burns problems. He was kind of, you know, he wasn't, he was popping up in different spots and uh, he, he came on against Clare and got, I think it was four points in when he came on. I think he came on for John McGrath, but played out in, in the wing and got four points that day, followed up with three. Now, he kind of faded in the second half and um, faded out a little bit as Limerick came into the game, I presume, as well. But uh, yeah, again, did very well for him. Uh, look, I suppose everyone talks about Limerick's middle third and as Kieran alluded to, with so many misfiring, Burns, Morrissey there, Willa Donoghue, um, Colin O'Neill was doing well actually until he went off. But even uh, Tom ended up with four points. But you know, you, you wouldn't say that he is kind of he wasn't really winning ball in his position. He was kind of finishing off moves as such. No, well taken scores. But um, you know, he he wasn't really like you know winning ball winner from puckouts or whatever as he often does. And then um, Kyle Hayes, I know first came back and below par. We spoke last week about. Uh, Connor Whelan and how two weeks maybe off at, at this time of year. And uh, he looked, you know, so rusty when he came in. And there was evidence of that with Kyle as well. Like just missing two weeks into county training right now and cutting thrust of things. And, uh, you know, it, it does take a game or two to get back in. And I think we're talking about John Kiley maybe changing things up because Limerick are now true for the weekend. But Kyle Hayes is definitely a guy he'll want to give another full game to. Uh, Flanagan coming back, he'll be looking at another full game. And even some of the guys that weren't going well there, Willa Donahue. He'd want to will to go in there and and you know be back to his his old self um you know confidence wise and everything else um so yeah because also against Waterford I did, I thought Will is a bit below par that day as well after being unbelievable against Cork um Caleb Lyons Waterford midfield caused huge problems for Limerick that day just kind of uh, legs and running and yeah Limerick uh, looked quite flat in the first half and as we said Tip were so sharp on the ball as well they're ball to hand and, and movement first half really caused problems and uh, you're right they, they did carve Limerick open two or three times um, Mark Kyo could have had two goals especially I know the one at the end you could say the game was over but like really he should be finishing that one and one and okay Nicky did brilliant and as we were saying before the most underrated goalie in Ireland like can you think back to the last time Nicky made a mistake I can't it's years and years and uh, people like Owen Murphy he's made high profile mistakes Avery Quilligan dropped one against Tipperary so all the intercounty goalies like making mistakes. Nicky never seems to make one, and yeah, seems to be kind of overlooked for when it came to last year's All Star anyway. But um, yeah, so look, Claire, it's hard to know because we're talking about like Claire had basically Tipperary game was over after 15, 20 minutes, um, and then against Cork they had a blistering start again, and you're kind of saying if Limerick come out with the start they had against Tipperary and Claire come out as they have in their two previous games. You know, uh, are Clare going to be in, in a huge lead? Uh, again, look, it's, every team matches up differently. Um, the one thing I would say is Clare's middle third is going really well for them, like Cahill Malone midfield has had some championships so far. Um, David Fitzgerald in the half-forward line there. Duggan kind of drifting in and out from full forward is, is causing problems as well. Uh, half-back line are very settled. John Connellan, um big experiment last year. I actually was one of the doubters at the start of it, but the way he started the championship this year, um, yeah, it's probably Lohan's main masterstroke so far is doing that because we didn't have an obvious six and it was a huge problem for Clare. So look, yeah, going into the game, um, 
it, it's it is funny. It's a hard one to judge because we don't really know. I presume we know what Lohan is going to do. He's going to go all out for this because Clare, they might be sure at three thirty that they're true if Waterford beat Cork, but he can't presume that Clare have to go all out to win this game. Whereas John Kiley has the luxury of maybe changing things up a small bit. Uh, and I think after the tip game, it's probably given him a few headaches in terms of guys he would have maybe wanted to rest. He now feels he might have to give a game to just maybe get their form back a bit. So, yeah, Limerick team selection is going to be really interesting. And, yeah, either way, I just yeah, I, I just think that with Clare at home, having to win, you know, home crowd there, on a bit of momentum with Clare, it's going to be a tough one for Limerick, I think. Record in Cusick Park for Limerick is not great either. I think it's... When was the last time that Limerick beat Clare in the championship game? I think we're kind of looking back at the 80s, are we, uh, Rory, on that? Yeah, no, they wouldn't have met a lot in um, in Cusick Park. I know, uh, obviously, the game in 2018, and there was a qualifier game. Um, I think it was a time um, uh, Whelan from Offaly, there was trouble and he walked and they ended up in the qualifiers. And uh, I think Clare gave him a bit of a beating that day. 1993, Clare beat Limerick in the first round, only to... You know, get hammered by Tiberi in the Munster final, but that was a big shock because Limerick were league champions going into that. And then there was, I think there was a game in the 80s, maybe 86 or 7, Clare beat Limerick that day as well. So it's definitely four games in a row going back to mid-80s. So, yeah, it, it, look, it is a tough place to go, but I think like that's maybe not, with, with, as we mentioned before, sports psychology and all that, and that will mean absolutely nothing to this Limerick team. They'll be just seeing this as, you know, game of hurling, weather's premise good, Big pitch, um, <laughs> as we said, yeah. Same dimensions as Crow Park, so. No excuses. <laughs> no excuses there, Rory, though, to be fair. Yeah. And I wonder here, Karen, as well, are Limerick going to be a little bit more galvanised in terms of, we should have been talking on Monday morning, really, about uh, a real kind of gritty kind of local Midwest derby, but we heard reports then of the off-the-pitch incident in Limerick City Centre. Do you feel this will galvanise the Limerick team? Uh, given some media coverage, which I think has been, it's always two sides of the story, really, but it just seems as if an awful lot of media have really kind of stuck the knife in here. Yeah, I, I think media are just poisonous. The way they, you know, and I think for the welfare of the player, like the the mental health of that player is not taken into account. You know, it's it's all well and good having a laugh and a joke. I was down at the club last night, and you know, you get the usual banter, but you know, you know, there's a lot of media attention and. You know, like it, you don't know what way this can affect affect guys, you know. So I think, uh, uh, you know, it's done. Forget about it. I suppose going back to Tipperary here, guys, I think it was a very promising performance of Tip. Maybe Tip have maybe identified the full back option for them in Rona Mar, maybe heading back into the full back line. I thought maybe Barry Heffernan would be an option as well, but they had James Kennedy in at half back to start the game. Again, Cahill Barrett being tenacious as ever against Galan. I know Galan scores the two goals. Two very clinically well-worked goals. But from a Tipperary perspective, an awful lot of players did pull up the hand. And I thought the work rate of that middle third, I think we had massive reservations about that Tipperary middle third, how they were going to cope with Limerick. But to a man, I thought it was a phenomenal work rate performance. Now, they created 47 chances during the 70 minutes. And I thought there was a period within that third quarter where they were two to three points up where if they went up maybe four or five points, maybe there might have been a little bit of a composure issue from Limerick. But I think overall, Con Bonner, I know post-game he was very disappointed on the actual result. But coming away here, um, probably Rory bringing you back in, things have to be kind of looking a little bit more promising for Tipperary, given the underage successes. 
And plus the fact that some guys like Jared Brown really and Jake Morris have really been putting the hand up uh, there in recent weeks. Yeah, and look, it only takes, we, we were saying before, five-year plans and everything, a couple of years for these guys to get, you know, a couple more games at that level under their belt, and Tip will be forced. Plus, we have these, these under-20s coming on board. Uh, the problem, I suppose, for Tipperary is that, like, they don't have enough established players now with maybe Liam Sheedy, we mentioned before, holding on to guys too much and not blooding in. Fair enough, 2019, but 2020, 2021, he just kept the same team again and again. So a lot of these guys now who are 24, 25 and should have... Uh, you know, maybe six, seven championship games under their belt are now only getting their second and third games under their belt, which, so they are going to get stronger, more experience to get at this level. And it was a very encouraging, I just thought uh, it was mentioned during the week as well, the lack of support Tipperary had at the game, like was, you know, in fact, the first half actually felt so flat and uh, and that was because like Tip were on top and the Limerick crowd were finding very little to kind of get excited about. And like there was nobody relatively from Tipperary there to get excited either. Somebody out of 24 thousand tickets that had been sold up until then was I heard us that that twenty thousand were gone to Limerick and four to tip. So you know and it's grand support in your county when they're in finals and tickets are gold dust and all that. But this is when they really need support. And had there been a huge ship crowd there when they did go up, as you mentioned Mark in the third quarter, got that gap up to two, three points to lift them and maybe carry them on a bit, could have made a difference because um yeah, it was just something that was quite notable at the game. And players always do speak about how they do feed off the crowd in games. And uh, yeah, look, it was just something that at the game. But in terms of a player's point of view, as you mentioned, yeah, look, they did get, like, I suppose, Colin Bonner, there was still experimentation with, you know, rejigging kind of the, we were kind of saying deck chairs and Titanic type of thing we were thinking leading into the game. But a lot of the switches he made, like, worked for them. And um, just maybe that bit of composure and experience to, get that score out to five, six points at a crucial stage. Um, bag that goal. There was that goal chance where Marchio kind of pulled one-handed and it just drifted wide. Yeah. If that had gone in at Huge. the time, who knows? But again, Limerick, like when it came down to the stretch and the game was there to be won, like they're such, you know, such t- tigerish at finishing out a game. And uh, yeah, it, like I think it was 67 minutes and maybe the game was still level, but the way they, they powered on there in the last few minutes and all credit to them, like, and uh, just kind of shows that you have to put them away when you have your chance. And uh, it's something maybe Tipperary kind of look back on and think, you know, moral victory as such, but they still had a chance of actually staying in the championship had they closed it out. Like Limerick's subs bench as well coming in actually made an enormous difference as well coming down the stretch. I mean, Conor Boylan was, you know, a very kind of um, predatory goal to really kind of smash this open along with Galan, but also David Reedy coming in, won an awful lot of ball middle third. You know, he did actually put the score over. To get Limerick ahead for the first uh, for the first time in God knows how long after the Glan early goal, but I suppose uh, guys kind of looking ahead to kind of Tipperary. Have we seen the end of Bonnermar? Uh, I thought maybe Colin Bonner missed a trick or two, particularly down that third quarter to put in someone like Bonnermar, maybe in inside full forward line to maybe be a physical presence in there because you saw one ball went in directly to Mark Keogh chance particularly with the kind of one handed you know swing. You know, what is the story with Bonnermar here? I thought this would have been tailor-made for him, given a senior player to maybe close out the game. But it didn't seem to be the case that management have a fancy for him. So I'm just wondering, such a loyal servant to Prairie, have we kind of seen the end of him? Well, yeah, I suppose, first of all, like, Mark Keogh is a guy who I didn't rate, to be honest, I didn't really rate until this year. And he looks so sharp in their games. And he's a real threat for them. And maybe uh, 
like Colin Bonner is looking at training and saying like I can't leave this guy out because he his he, movement is so good for a big lad. His feet are so quick. Maybe he should be actually scoring more for you know he looks so threatening in games and what he's producing. Maybe that will come from. Um, so I suppose that's one factor. And um, but like we all know guys as well that we've seen at club training or whatever, and they're not the greatest maybe to train or and then you've thrown them in championship and Bonner Maher like as we know is a championship hurler. And I agree, like they had that experience, like they had very little experience on the bench. They threw on Dan McCormack was one and Bonner Maher. And Dan McCormack didn't really have an impact. So he had a really bad wide, actually. It was one thing he did when he came in. And you just wonder, Bonner Maher, would he have, if he had poached the goal at that stage, like, you know, could have been a major turn, turning point with Limerick coming back at them, kind of steady the ship for Tipperary. So, yeah, I agree. Like, we're, we're saying now Tip lacked the experience, but there was Bonner Maher on the bench who wasn't used. So, yeah. Agree with you on that one. Well, I think if you look back to nineteen, like Bonamar was key to that All Ireland successful tip, like you know. And then when he did go down, was it early twenty with the Cruciate? You know, like it was, you know, it was like uh, it was a huge loss to him at the time. I, I, I probably Rory was saying there, like we were only seeing these guys for seventy minutes on a Sunday. You know, I, I say it's all what he's doing in the training field is probably why he was not selected or not fancied. Yeah, there's probably many reasons for it. Uh, but I suppose we can move on here, guys. Looking ahead to the other Munster Senior Hurler Championship, we kind of hinted at it there with Waterford and Cork and seeing some of the media notes from Liam Cahill rousing the Waterford people to come and pack out Walsh Park, make it the fortress. You really see that it might be a bit of a daunting challenge here for Cork. Uh, Kieran, what are your feelings on this with Cork? Do you have any optimism, any positivity for the Rebels? Heading down to Walsh Park. Well, it's a game that if Cork win, it blows their own Robin wide open, you know. And I think there is a certain pressure on Cahill going into it, you know. It's a game they have to win. They've had a two-week break after the Limerick game, you know. So they uh, they have turned Walsh Park into a bit of a fortress in Cahill's time. Um, but I think the pressure's on when you see a manager coming out, you know, pleading with supporters to get in behind them. It's a game they're obviously fearing. From a Cork point of view... Look, at it, we were expecting a big backlash going into the Clare game. All the talk that they'd be knocked away in full of the park and, or, and you know, that they were was trying to get their house in order and not much changed from the Waterford League final and the Limerick first game. Not much change for the Clare game. So it's hard to know. It's hard to expect anything different going into the Waterford game. All that came out of the Clare game was a couple of player positional changes, but you know it's a complete overhaul of of the system they play that that needs to happen, and it's not going to happen in two weeks. Yeah, Rory. Yeah, it's kind of one of those games that after Clare B Cork, I kind of had them written off, and you're looking at the rest of the fixtures saying, you know, well, like they're not going to get down and beat Waterford and Walsh Park. But then as it gets closer to it, you're just kind of thinking like they, they, this is a team that were in the All-Ireland final last year, were so impressive in the league until the league final implosion. And as we said, like their system, it was systems failure in All-Ireland final and league final and in their first two championship games again. But you just look at and you look at the team, like there is still major talent in the forward line if they click. And you just wonder if they get off to a blistering start this time, um, and as well, like, as you know, Walsh Park doesn't seem to suit Waterford, the tighter pitch. And Cork, like, <laughs> I suppose that the tighter pitch might suit them in terms of building up their tackles because there'll be tackles everywhere in the tighter pitch right in front of them. So in a way, you just wonder, is there going to be, is there one more twist? Like, Munster Championship is famous for these twists and 
you know, kind of teams written off, producing gung-ho performances. And I just have a feeling there could be one coming at the weekend with Cork. And yeah, I, I, I don't know what I'm building this on, but I just think Cork might turn them over down there. Should be a bit of dog in Cork after the Hurling League. Has to be something fun. there. If the, if, if the Cork go out with another limp performance again, like this is, you know, yeah. Um, it, there just has to be something there, I think. Yeah, I mean, Karen Kingston can walk at that stage. Uh, from his perspective, if that is the case. But, yeah, it's like Sabre season. I mean, it's complete knockout hurling here for Cork here on out, really. It will be a very fascinating watch, even to see Watford, how they rebound after that Limerick performance. I know we've kind of talked at length in terms of how Watford impressed against Limerick, particularly in the TUS Gaelic rounds. But this is a big asset test for Watford to really kind of hammer home a place, potentially maybe in a kind of a, a Munster Senior Ireland final potentially, definitely getting into an All Ireland series. So I think the pressure is so on Waterford th- uh, this weekend, and it'll be interesting just to see, particularly kind of the inside forward line with Hutchinson and also Ozzy Gleeson as well, how they'll fare because you know Cork should definitely be man marking those two guys, uh, Kieran. Absolutely, yeah, and I think it's a game where they're probably looking, you know. If we don't win this weekend, we have to go to Ennis to try and get a result, you know, and which would turn out to be a bit of a cup final. So I think this is the obviously the, the easiest route for him to, to win at home. Yeah, look, Waterford have been nothing short of impressive all year. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think one loss is going to define their season. I think we, I, I really think they're the likes of Hudson and, and Ozzy Gleason. You know, you're going to see these boys starting. Ozzy Gleason's not going to be on the bench. You know, Callum Lyons, you have to get Jamie Barron back in. He adds, he adds another uh, point of attack. And uh, Cork's attack is, obviously, without doubt, you know, they have the players. But I think it's the attack and threat that Waterford bring to an unstable Cork defence is the is the issue. Yeah, and uh, one lad for Cork who who has been really poor this year is Fitzgibbon. And he kind of is, like, in one way, he's, you know, the running heart to the team, the way he you know, powers forward, gets scores, uh, cuts teams open from midfield. And he is just like, we spoke about Willa Dunhu for Limerick and when he was below par, Limerick were below par. I think that's a major factor for Cork as well. Fitzgibbon has been way off his form of, of, of we have seen for the last four or five years with Cork. If he has a big game again midfield, we're talking about, there could be some battle with Caleb Lines there midfield as well. And Jamie Barron, if he's in there, if, if Cork can kind of win that midfield battle, it does give him a platform against Waterford and look I was surprised that Liam Cahill had to come out pleading for support like obviously he's been ticked off tipped off by the Waterford secretary that ticket sales are low for the game I'd imagine it would have sold out it's only holds 11 12,000 you'd imagine with Waterford going so well and winning the league and at home to, to Cork a chance to you know get their place into the knockout stages that the place would have been sold out weeks ago so that's kind of a worrying sign from a you know a home point of view you, you don't like we haven't heard like John Kiley out pleading for Limerick fans to turn up for the games last week. He knew there was going to be thousands there. Same with Brian Lohan hasn't been uh, out kind of uh, trying to sell tickets. Like um, So it's it's just a funny one that you can sell out your home ground. It's the smallest of the Munster venues for, for a car coming to town. And you have to get the manager out to kind of plead with fans to come and support them. It's just, I don't know, it seemed a bit odd during the week. It does seem a bit of an element of maybe complacency, maybe between the Waterford fan base that they think this game may be already home and holes and really kind of honing in on a Clare game in Ennis really to secure a Munster final spot but it was a kind of a, I would agree with you here Rory I think it was a worrying kind of statement for Liam Cal. I'd expect him maybe going into an All-Ireland semi-final or final to rouse the troops up but to use lines like that 
come fourth round of the Munster Senior Hurling Championship when you're well involved. I don't know if that may backfire on him long term. Um, but yeah, I suppose from that perspective, we can maybe move on to the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. Uh, I suppose the marquee game in bright lights is in Parnell Park on Saturday evening between Dublin and Kilkenny. When the two sides met in the Alliance Hurling League, we had great expectations of Dublin, only for Kilkenny to blow Dublin out of the water. Are we expecting lightning to strike twice here, Karen Collins? Yeah, I think there's going to be a, a kickback for Kilkenny, you know, from the Galway game. Uh, I told you that was a game. Uh, but I think Dublin don't perform, to, you know, as, at home to the same standard that they might in Crow Park, you know, or any other stadium. So, obviously, we know Dublin, they had a good start to the league, died off a bit. They've, obviously, they're, they're top, they've six points. In the uh, in their own robin, so maybe the same pressure isn't on Dublin. So I think from from that point of view, I think the, probably the, press, the more pressure is on Kenny to win. Interesting to see will TJ Reid start after being taken off at half time the last day. Uh, um, but I think just based on the, the fight back or the kickback from the Galway game, just that they have to win. I think you know I think Kenny will probably come on top. Yeah, Rory, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I agree. I think I hard to see Pascal Kenny in this one. Um like Dublin, like you're looking at this point, you have um Owen O'Donnell, Chris Crummy, Danny Sutcliffe, um Donald Burke, like just top part of every one of them has to fire for them. Whereas Kilkenny, you can have Owen Cody firing one day, Mullen in another day. They can kind of get by, you know, with, without all their big guns firing. They just have more weapons there. Um Walter Walsh as well is back in form this year after having a quiet year or two. And you just think in, in Parnell Park, and a, a, which is a, an actual tight pitch, unlike Cusick Park, but in Parnell Park, he's just going to be some target for them on puckouts. Um, you know, uh, it's like Owen Murphy can look down the pitch, and it, you know, when it's hard to see space in a tight area and just say, okay, high one down to Walter. And um, I know Dublin will obviously be, be targeting, like, you know, that, that like is. Right. They'll, they'll know, yeah, they'll know that that weapon is there for Kilkenny. So, look, I just. Unless, like Dublin, as we said, if their big guns all fire, but like that's a big if for them. They need all of them to win their positions to, I think, have a, have a good chance against Kilkenny. And there's an element, I think, that Dublin are happy now. They went down to Wexford Park and won. And they're kind of thinking they, they win out against Leash, Westmeath, and if Kilkenny beat Wexford at home, they'll be true. So I think there's an element of that once they give a good account of themselves. Again, at home, they will see it as a as a huge chance to to turn Kilkenny over. But the fact that they they probably have their big result under the belt already. There will be an element of that, I think, as well. That uh yeah, well and good if they can actually really shove it up to Kilkenny. But if they if they lose, it's not end of the world for them either. And as we pointed out before, like they have a serious record against Galway in Leinster Championship of late as well. They won't actually fear Galway the fact that they beat them comfortably last year and have in previous years as well. So um yeah, look, uh, all those for all those reasons I'm tipping Kilkenny. Yeah, I'm probably tipping Kilkenny as well. I'm just fascinated to see how Dublin are going to counteract that Kilkenny half-forward line because Park Walsh will want to make amends after the Galway performance. He was in and out of that game particularly. Walter Walsh has been having a superb season, guys, as well. And I'm just not seeing in terms of Dublin, did they bring Danny Sutcliffe back, you know, really kind of as a kind of maybe kind of a sweeper or something to that effect. But I suppose the Dublin inside full forward line as well, all three of them got hauled off within 45, 50 minutes in the Alliance Hurling League game. I think that's the indication here. If the likes of Donald Burke's not getting ball, um, I think it's fairly anonymous for Dublin. But I suppose Dublin have to come to Pierce Stadium, Galway, last game. Not a given that they'll win. So they would need to kind of maybe 
have a bit of momentum going into a potential Iron Series or Leinster final. So I think it's um, for Matty Kenny, he'll be looking for a performance first and foremost here against Kilkenny. Be fair, and I think it's going to be a key one for Kilkenny heading into that Nolan Park game against Wexford in the last round. I suppose we can get to Wexford as well. Travelling to Mullingarra to face Westmead, Kieran, uh, what's the mood in the Wexford camp ahead of that game? I think, yeah, I think, you know, same as Leash last week, just try to get through the game, get the points on the board, and it'll be all eyes in Kilkenny the last game or weekday, uh, which is probably turning out to be a bit of a cup final. Winner takes probably third position in the in the, in the the group. Yeah, I think like Westmead, to their credit, have put it up to each of the teams in the game so far. Uh, they seem to be, you know, they start well in the, up until maybe 50th minute, and I think maybe the legs go and, you know, other teams probably open up a bit more. But you know, I think Westmead will probably learn, have learned a lot from the, their own robin this year. But I think, yeah, from a Wexford point of view, I think it's a matter of going there, get the job done, and uh, all eyes will be on the, the last game against Kilkenny. Yeah, yeah, just if Dublin do beat Kilkenny, you're looking at Wexford Kilkenny then as oh, this basically a knockout game. Then it almost has that feeling anyway going into it. But for if Kilkenny win against Dublin, they probably have some bit of a, a cushion going into it. But after losing in Galway, um, albeit by the tightest of margins, uh, if they lose again in Parnell Park, you could be in a position where Wexford could be putting Kilkenny out of the Leinster Championship with three teams qualifying, which you know be unheard of really pre-championship. But Look, a lot of they have some butts there. Um, first and foremost, I suppose, uh, yeah, we, we're all pretty unanimous in Kilkenny winning up in Parnell Park. I think from an extra point of view, though, like it's either way, it's going to be a knockout game against Kilkenny. You know, so once you get through this weekend, they have to win in Northern Park to progress. You know, so from an extra point of view, it will be a cup game. Obviously, Kilkenny get to win this weekend, their pressure won't be on as much, but. You'd still have to fancy Kenny this weekend, yeah. Yeah, Karen, any major injuries for Wexford heading into this? Are we expecting Lee Chin to maybe have extended game minutes ahead of that Nolan Park showdown? I presume so, yeah. You know, so it still baffles me that, you know, he started against Leach and, and didn't start against Dublin the week before in such a crunch game. Um, yeah, so I presume, you know, more game time. You know, he was only back training probably six, seven weeks at this stage, so I think he needs all the game time he can get. Yeah, I think he, he, he will probably be focused and, 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 and ready to go. That'll be I think it will be his uh, uh his uh his point to be ready is for the for the Kilkenny game. Absolutely. I suppose we're all going Wexford here, uh, guys are we Mullingar. Yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to seeing Rory O'Connor up against the legendary Tommy Doyle, uh back there in the full back line by Spain. He's had another wonderful season, Tommy Doyle. Um, again, I don't think he gets the recognition that he should deserve, really, to be fair. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Killian and Doyle as well. He's been kind of unerring on the freeze and also David Glenn. Like, an awful lot of superb herders in Westmead. And it'll be very interesting to see if they can put it up to Wexford for a sustained period here. Um, but, I mean, points difference for Wexford is probably going to be a key one here as well, Karen, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you see Galway travelling to O'More Park in Leash now, Leash, all the razzmatazz will be on the minors on Monday, but the seniors really are probably honing in on that Westmead fixture last game to kind of stave off the relegation from the Ireland series. But what are your hopes for Leash in that Galway uh, game uh, on Saturday evening? I think if you look back at the league and Antrim and Offaly kind of teeing off at the end, 
you know, it'll be similar for Westmead and Leash the week the last weekend. It's the I think the far Leash and Westmead like they they play their game. They will have one eye in the last game. It, it, it's going to be a, a a cup final, a knockout game. You know, I think from a Leash point of view, they have been you know badly hampered with injuries, and you know maybe they might get a few back and I suppose get fresh and get back to as, fu- as close to full strength as they can for that Westmead game because I think. If you're looking at the form teams between the two, you'd have to say Westmead would be favourites based on the performance they've put up. Now, I know Leash probably have more seasoned hurlers, um, you know, like Purcell and Scully. and But I think, you know, Westmead uh, have, re- have impressed in, in, in for 40, 50 minutes of most games. I think they have, re- have really impressed. Because the injury news here in Galway is, seems to be pretty minimal. I reckon Connor Whelan will probably have a good stint in this game, heading into the Dublin game and heading into an Iron series. So that injury was first feared to be pretty extensive, but he's kind of come true, as you said, Rory, a little bit kind of uh, out of it a bit against Kilkenny after a few weeks out in activity. But they're expecting kind of a full team here to kind of maybe build a bit of momentum. And I think a bit of uh, business is required against Dublin, particularly with Matty Kenny coming to town. Uh, on the following week so I wouldn't rule out Leash in a relegation final against Westmead they've been there too many times before to kind of know the situation it's a very high pressurised game but I suppose we can review that in due course I suppose guys getting back we didn't get predictions here now I know probably the heart probably ruled in the head here a little bit but uh, Rory Cairn Limerick Clare uh, in Ennis who, who, who are you thinking uh, in terms of this okay well, I'm just thinking the fact Clare have to win. Um, Clare have to win. Limerick have that element of uh, Limerick will be going all out. Will, you know, on the team that take the field for Limerick obviously will be going all out to win. Uh, you know, local rivalry means too much to, you know, be, get too smart with kind of saying, oh, well, we want to miss the Munster final or that kind of talk that was going on a couple of years ago. See if you can finish third. But I think uh, the easiest route to win in Ireland is win all your games. And we all know that. Like, that's the easiest way to do it. John Kiley knows that as well. So, yeah, I, I I just think that at the same time, he will be thinking like of maybe uh, guy, some guys maybe miles in the clock or guys that you might think that he can't afford to get injured. He does have the luxury of of resting them. And uh, obviously the guys who come in for them are chomping at the bit to try and hold on to a jersey. So there's that element as well. I just think though that we know kind of what way Claire are going to approach this game. We know more or less what the team selection will be. Well, 13, 14 is the team anyway. So I just think uh, all of those factors, um, I just think, yeah, that Clare having to win, that bit of, I suppose, momentum is building in Clare as well. I know Limerick have three out of three, but Clare performed so well in the first few games as well, and they're bringing that into Ennis. They'll, they'll be full of respect for Limerick, but won't have any fear at in Ennis as such. Um, and also, like, the fact that we can, you know, we can kind of put, uh, predict what, what team Clare will be. We don't really know what Limerick are going to do. So for all those reasons, I'm going to have a hesitant vote for Clare. One of the biggest pitches in Ireland, by the way, as well. Kieran, <laughs> uh, uh, over to you. Uh, what, what, what's your general feeling? I mean, team selections haven't been released yet, but what's your general vibe here in terms of uh, Limerick? Do, do we see a bit of an improved performance here in Cusick Park? Quoting TJ Ryan, it's like a deaf dog, it's hard to call. Um, I think there's so many variables that could affect. I think from Kylie's point of view, I think he'll look for a performance more so. Um, 
you know, going on last weekend's game, you know, he's not going to be happy, you know, with certain players. But I think as a, as a team unit, like it wasn't a good performance. It wasn't crisp and as as flowing as they usually would be. You know, they didn't get into the rhythm. So I think obviously it's going to depend on what team is there. But I think either way, it'll be a performance he looks for. You know, I think if even if they did lose, going into a potential monster final with a good performance, you know, it's it's a good base for going forward. You know, I think we were there was a a concern for Limerick's bench coming into the round robin, but I think it's kind of turned around. You know, there's so much talk for Waterford's bench, how strong they were and how strong the panel was. But to be fair, like Boylan starting against Waterford, you know, obviously didn't score, but he had a really good game. I think he was really impressed when he came on the day. You're going to see, obviously, Rory mentioned earlier, Kyle Hayes. He's going to need more game time. Flanagan. You know, he's he's going to need, if you, definitely going to need 70 minutes to go to the pace. You know, O'Neill, again, I think like O'Neill has been exceptional this year. I think some of his shot taking is still a bit, you know, and it's all going to be coming down to experience until, you know, I think that he's taken on shots that possibly shouldn't. And, you know, I probably had two or three bad wides again against Tipperary the last day. So I think, yeah, I'm dicing around it here now, but, but I think, uh, yeah, he looked for performance. But I, saying that again, He's not going to want to lose. And Clare, looking at Clare, yeah, they've had two good wins. But if you take into fact the two teams that they played, you know, and and letting the two teams back into the game, you know, being, what, 13 points up against Tipperary and only winning by four. And the same with Cork, you know, like, they really had Cork put to the pin of the collar. And to see it out by two, I'll be the late call. So I think that would be a concern for, for Clare is, you know, Obviously, they've started strong, but letting teams back into it is, you know, it's a huge factor. Ah, oh, look, I'm going to say Limerick. Fair enough, Kieran. Good stuff. Um, I might sit on the fence here, guys. Uh, to be I fair, well, I think it'll be could be a tight enough encounter. I mean, the weather conditions are supposed to be pretty good, good on yeah. Sunday, yeah. so I think you know should be plenty of scores. I do, I do worry for Limerick, particularly in the half-back midfield area. Where you have the likes of Tony Kelly, Shane O'Donnell's kind of picking up ball and maybe hitting a few early scores really to kind of set the tone. But again, it's that pressure from Limerick for 17 minutes. Clare may have a lull here, and it's just just going to be a bit of an ebb and flow to the game. Man, it's not much motivation between each side to get one over on the other. So I think there's not going to be much in it. I suppose the key probably for Limerick particularly is probably the performance, as you say, Karen. I just wonder if Barry Nash maybe gets slotted into maybe a halfback role or experiment on this. I think you're going to see one or two team selections here from Limerick that maybe kind of pre-game talking points. That could be one. Maybe Boylan in at full forward as well with Connor Cleary and maybe having Galan out in the corner. Um, but there may be one or two. Kyle Hayes definitely probably get a little bit more game time, maybe at half forward here a little bit on John Conlon. I think there could be fascinating matchups here. And I don't think this will be maybe the first time that and the last time that Limerick and Clare may face off. Yep. So, yeah, just Mark, before you finish, one thing kind of hopefully he's fit to go is Shane Meehan, who hasn't, who's been unfortunate too, like hamstrings training and reoccurrence. Just love to see him in action and just get his first championship game under his belt with Clare. And, uh, you know, probably easy for him in front of the home crowd up there in Ennis as well to make his debut. Has looked electrifying for his uh, game for against Cork 20s and also his cameos in the league. So and look, one t- maybe reason Clare were fading was that strength and depth in the bench with all the injuries to forwards like David Reedy, McCarthy, 
um, as you mentioned, Shane Meehan, Mark Rogers, like it's going to hit you at some stage. And I think that's where it's hitting us is just having those, you know, that quality coming in. Um, Shanahar came in the last day and just looked kind of way off the pace. Um, so hopefully another couple of weeks training under his belt, if he comes in, he might make a bigger impact this weekend. Um, so, yeah, look, that's just a small uh, I suppose side story is just maybe seeing Shane Meehan in his first championship game because there's huge expectation of him and Claire. And from what we've seen of him so far, like he looks like he could be, you know, a real live wire for them. And if Limerick, or sorry, if Clare do get to win this weekend, then Rory, is it, is it a, would they be guaranteed, it'll come down to points difference then probably with Waterford, say yeah. if Waterford win the two, last two games. Yeah, if Waterford win the last two games, it'll go down to points difference, but Clare's score difference is, isn't too bad, like I think it was a eight point finish against Tip and two, so they're plus 10 or 11 at the moment, so it would take maybe a big turnaround, unless of course Waterford um, hammer Cork this weekend, that could change things slightly. With score which, difference is possible, which is possible. Well, as well, you know. It is, yeah, <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I think just fascinating matchups, and you even say Aaron Shanahan there, Peter Duggan, and Mike Casey as well, particularly inside. You know, particularly if early ball does go into uh, Peter Duggan, who's been brilliant as that kind of anchor in the full forward line. Um, so yeah, I think it's all set very well. Did we get predictions there in the Cork Waterford game, uh, guys? I don't think we did. Kieran uh, Cork Waterford, who do you think? I just, yeah, I just think Waterford there. You know, they've had two week break. I think the fixtures probably went okay from you know the two week break into two important games. You know they they have to win. And uh, look, I think it'll be a repeat of the um, the league final. I think they just have too much firepower. And defensively, I think they're they're, they're strong defensively to hold Cork's firepower. But I think uh, Cork. Uh, I don't know if Cork's defence could hold that attack and threat. Yeah, I I just have a sneaking feeling Cork going to win this. Um... Like as I mentioned before, like we haven't had that one big shock yet in the championship, um, and I think this could be it. And who'd have thought it like six months ago we'd be saying that Cork beating Waterford would be a huge shock? And I just think like that there is plenty of hurling in the Cork team. And okay, the we all thought that they'd learn from the league final, and it's been slow and it's been slow <laughs> progress for them. But I just feel that they could click yet, and there is plenty of scores in them and goals in them as well. And if they get off to you know rip and start against Waterford, home expectations as well down there um you know it could put Waterford in a very uneasy situation and we saw how they played at home to Tipperary where they were very flat and if they're like that this week I just think that you know Cork could actually put them away where Tipperary didn't you know so yeah that's that's my own view like it could, could end up as you said Waterford hammering them but I just have the sneaking feeling that you know but I think they'll have to start Connolly Connolly Alan Connolly yeah, has to start I think yeah. any any chance of that I think he has to start I think yeah I completely agree with you there Karen. It has realms of that Limerick to Prairie last weekend vibe about it. An awful lot of people are writing off Cork here, maybe at your peril a little bit. There has to be a reaction from that management and players and squad to what's gone on in the championship. And Watford, being in Walsh Park, you know, really having to deliver a performance there. They did show patches against Tipperary, but we've kind of seen the Tipperary form line as well. So I think this would be more closer. And there's not much between Cork and Watford traditionally as well. So... Cork will not fear Watford one bit here, but I think the performance has to be spot on. Maybe moving Coleman a little bit more further up the pitch might be a, a good idea at certain points. But um, yeah, slight hesitant vote, I think, for Cork. I think there's something there. I think there's that set up the fireworks for the final round in Munster. It needs it, really. 
for three teams to automatically advance, I think, is kind of a poor story for the Munster Senior Hurling Championship when you compare Leinster, what might be going on there in the final weekend. So I'm kind of for the excitement and entertainment value I'm hoping for Cork there. Guys, uh, we'll leave it there. Many thanks, Rory and Karen. I suppose that best team winning Ennis. We'll probably review the aftermath of that next week. Hopefully you'll be talking to each other there, lads. And also the rest of the Munster-Lancer games. And also look at the minor Leinster decider between Offaly and Leash. Until then, thanks very much, guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles, and reports.